Tuesday, sunny with a high near 84. Tuesday night, mostly clear with a low around 58. And then looking ahead to Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 84. Coming up next, we have Trailer Talk with Sabrina Artel. Stay tuned for that. WJFF's Community Service Award in honor of their work as true voices for the Catskills. Come to the Arnold House in Chandelier, 5 p.m. Saturday, July 20th for WJFF's Community Service Award celebration, including a barbecue dinner, entertainment, and the guests of honor themselves, Patricia Adams and Duke Devlin. Tickets and info at WJFFradio.org. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. Stay tuned for a classic edition of Trailer Talk from the archives. It is on behalf of the animals that I ask that we speak out to stop factory farming and the horrendous cruelty it causes. Think occasionally of the suffering of which you spare yourself the sight. Albert Schweitzer. Our task must be to free ourselves by widening our circle of compassion, to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature and its beauty. Albert Einstein. Hi, I'm Sabrina Tell. This is Trailer Talk in Watkins Glen, New York, in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York in Schuler County. I am at the Farm Sanctuary, the nation's largest farm animal advocacy group here in Watkins Glen, New York. I care not much for a man's religion whose dog and cat are not the better for it. Abraham Lincoln. And I see Gene Bauer, the founder of the Farm Sanctuary, approaching the trailer, and I'm very excited to be speaking with Jean. Come on in. Welcome. Hey, it's great to be here. Great. This is really nice. Thank you. This is Dolphy. Hi, Dolphy. We're here at the New York Hoedown. People are speaking about all kinds of issues surrounding the welfare and the rights of animals. And I'm interested to speak to you about the intersections between the groups themselves, between our relationships to animals, both our companion animals and farm animals. And we're here right in upstate New York, surrounded by all kinds of farms. That's right. That's right. Now, we're here in Watkins Glen, and there, this used to be a much greater farming area, actually. There were lots of dairy farms around when we moved in here in the late 1980s, but even since that time, many of them have closed down. And in one way, it's sad to see small farms going out of business, but in another way, you know, if animals aren't being exploited, that's a good thing. And I'm also happy to say that right across the street, a vegan farm has opened up and they grow vegan produce and they sell it at the Ithaca Farmer's Market. So we are here in farm country. We are seeing some shifts in farming. And unfortunately, most farming in terms of animals is going to large industrialized farms. And we advocate for a different type of agriculture, a small plant farming approach. And uh, we are starting to see a growing interest in that on the part of consumers. And hopefully more farmers will start picking that up. So Gene, for you, let's go back to you founding the Farm Sanctuary, and there are all kinds of stories about you selling tofu pups at festivals and things like that. What, what for you, led you down this path many years later? If we could go 
back there? Yeah, well, I actually grew up in Hollywood, California, and uh, around me saw many problems. And uh, there were homeless people, stray animals, uh, lots of suffering on the streets of Hollywood. Um, on television, Vietnam was going on, and there was a lot of death associated with that, obviously. I didn't, I was encouraged to get a college degree and get a well paying job. And I never felt comfortable just being a cog in a wheel and not paying attention to all the problems going on around me. And as time went and as I went through college, I learned more and more about what happens to animals on farms. I learned about the many uh, negative consequences of industrialized animal agriculture. And let's talk about a little bit of those since you're bringing it up. Really what the implications are for us yeah. in terms of our health our well-being. Yeah, the food we eat every day is, is a, has a profound impact on, on us, on our well-being, both physically and mentally. You know, if somebody eats sugar all the time, you know, they're going to have health and mental problems, I think. Um, and I think many of the problems we have in this country today, ranging from obesity to diabetes to heart disease to cancers, are related to the way we live and particularly the way we eat. So when we sit down to a meal, the choice we make at that time is huge. You know, we can either cause health or illness in ourselves, and we can also contribute to the well-being of other animals and the earth, or we, if we choose to eat animal products, contribute to the deaths of animals and to cruelties that are absolutely unnecessary. And how did the focus become for you, Gene? Animals. You're talking about growing up in Hollywood, California. The backdrop of your growing up of your youth was the Vietnam War and you wanting to feel that you were contributing something yeah. um, to better the yeah. world that you were living in. Yeah. Why animals? How, what led you there? Well, animals, the way we treat animals says something very fundamental about ourselves. You know, Mahatma Gandhi has said, you can judge the moral progress of a nation by the way its animals are treated. And I really think that's true. Animals are so um, helpless in some ways. And if we treat them kindly, you know, it's good for the animals, but it also says something about us. Uh, whereas if we treat these innocent creatures with cruelty and with callousness and with disregard, you know, that sort of attitude of insensitivity and that failure to empathize, you know, is bad for everybody involved. You know, that sort of lack of empathy um, can spread. And I think it has, unfortunately. I think many of the problems we see in our country and really in the world can be linked, at least in part, to our relationship with other animals and with the natural world. If we don't respect others and we don't show compassion to others, animals, or we tend to be less concerned about other people as well. Did you have a particularly close relationship growing up with I did, an animal? Did, so did that open up a world for you that perhaps you wouldn't have even known about had you not had that? I always like to say non-human animal. We're all animals right That's here on the planet. That's very true. We are all animals. Absolutely. And growing up, I was in Hollywood and saw many problems with in the streets, you know, with homeless people and animals and so on. But I also spent time in the hills seeing deer and coyotes and skunks. In the and Hollywood raccoons Hills. In the Hollywood Hills. You see, I'm a valley girl. I grew up in Van Nuys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right in the area. Absolutely. Yes. I used to drive through the canyons. Yes. I know them well. So there's some nature there. Yes. And the animals could still live there. And, you know, unfortunately, in, in recent decades, it's been become more and more difficult. And houses are getting bigger and walls are going up and there's less nature. And so you're seeing less wild animals. But growing up when I did in the 1960s, 
I did see many wild animals, and I was awed by them, and I was mm-hmm. inspired by them. And I had a cat named Tiger, who was a very good friend of mine when I was about nine or ten years old, and uh, he was a very close friend. And when he died, I was devastated, and that was my first very close uh, relationship with an animal. It was Tiger. Tiger the cat. That's right, Tiger the cat. So for you then, your kind of way into leading a more compassionate life was through your connection to animals and seeing that really as that, the, the beginning. Yeah, it was, of... my relationship with Tiger was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, I remember my grandmother telling me about veal and that sort of opened my eyes to that. Um, also in high school, one time I came home and my mother had made a chicken dinner and I saw this dead chicken body on the plate. And so I stopped eating meat for a couple years, uh, but I never considered myself a vegetarian. I was, you know, living in a world where I didn't know any vegetarians and most people were eating animal products. So uh, after a short time of not eating animals, I went back to doing what people around me were doing. I I learned as time went, though, and I, I came to recognize more clearly what the problems were and have become increasingly committed to to this lifestyle. How do you, Gene, reconcile different beliefs out there. We're we're here at this farm sanctuary that you began. It is the nation's largest farm animal advocacy group at at this point. You also have a farm in California. In terms of reaching out to people who say, well, because so many people do eat animals, so how do you deal with the different extremes, let's say, on this path that you're on to really support a more humane existence, treatment, and relationship with animals? Well, Well, I think most people don't think very much about what they eat and assume that eating animals is appropriate and healthy. Um, so I think the first thing is we dispel myths. We, we let people know what happens to animals on farms and say, these animals are being treated like commodities. They're confined in cages and crates where they can't walk or turn around or exercise. They're treated like units of production, not, not like sentient creatures. And that's upsetting to many people. The greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated, Mahatma Gandhi. If we cut up beasts simply because they cannot prevent us and because we are backing our own side in the struggle for existence, it is only logical to cut up imbeciles, criminals, enemies, or capitalists for the same reasons. C.S. Lewis. Here at the Farm Sanctuary in the Finger Lakes of upstate New York, Watkins Glen. Please come on in. Axel Johnson. Hello, Axel Johnson, and you're here with some friends. Ben Spires. Hi, Ben. Sam Spires. Hi, Sam Spires. So Ben and Sam Spires and Axel Johnson. So Axel, you're here at the Farm Sanctuary. We've been talking a little bit uh, about you being a vegan. And you've been one your whole life so far. How old are you? Twelve. What are your reasons for being a vegan? Um, my reasons for being a vegan is because we think that animals should be treated the way we're treated, they're the same equality as we are. They're just like humans. They just don't look the same. Mm-hmm. So you then have been a vegan your whole life, your whole 12 years so far? Yes. What has that experience been like with your friends? What uh, What is that like at school? Things like that. At school, people don't really appreciate me, and they won't really talk to me, but um, at my synagogue and everywhere else, all my friends will talk to me and they won't even care if I'm vegan or not. And what about you, Ben and Sam? 
Well, I've been vegetarian since I was born because when I was born, my parents were vegetarian, but not they weren't vegetarian for their whole lives. But my parents said that if I want to eat meat, I can, but I don't want to because of the reasons that my parents have told me and I've seen videos, and it just seems stupid to eat animals, and that's basically it. The squirrel that you kill in jest dies in earnest. Henry David Thoreau. This is Hi. awesome. Hi. Well, there's cookies. Oh, that's how you get people in. That's right. <laughs> Vegan cookies. Can I see you for just a second? Just for one second? Go on. Go sit Come here. Come here. Let me see you. Oh. Look at that face. Hi, baby. You are the most handsome of all the dogs. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you are so cute. You are so cute. He's like, I'm like, this is a gorgeous dog. Stay, Dolphy. You think I really want to go on an adventure? Oh, Dolphy. That face. It's a wise face. That's it a is. great face. Yeah, you had a lot of character in that face, my friend. Duffy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, Sue, did I? Yeah, yeah we met. We, okay. Yes, That's actually, fine. Susie great. was. Oh, yes, here, please help yourself. <laughs> you must be hungry. Thank you, Wendy. Every time I go on the farm, I'm like, I'm starving. I'm thirsty. I I'm bet you are. I am speaking with Susie Costin, who is the shelter director. And. I was just touring the shelter and meeting oh, the animals, and I'd love to hear about your discoveries with them, your relationships with them, how they've come here. And there's so many animals, but, uh, you know, I, I met some of the cows and uh, then was also with the goats and the sheep. I met some of the chickens, the rooster, and some of the hens, and Tom Turkey, yeah. <laughs> uh, who I heard stories about him, and then some of the pigs. So... Uh, first of all, how long have you been the shelter director at the Farm Sanctuary? Uh, I've actually been here um, between seven and eight years, and I was, I've was i been the director for six. And I've just been working here straight through. Um, it's a wonderful place, and the animals are incredible. Chicky's the turkey. Or, or Chicky? Yeah. Chicky, that's confusing. <laughs> yeah, Chicky it's a nickname. Turkey. Yeah, he was a chick when he came. He was just oh. a little peep. So at the time, we didn't know if he was a boy or a girl. So they all had their names when they were babies. And as they grew, we were, we kind of kept the names as unisex as we could. Uh, yeah, we they were actually dropped off, like um, the turkeys that I was talking about in my talk today. Um, a lot of the turkeys we get from factory farms are obviously liberated. I'm not sure who does that. Um, but we get them in boxes, and we get them on the front porch. So right two months usually before Thanksgiving, we get them. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. What has your experience been getting to know them? Because that's the thing. Some animals, people have an idea of what they're like, and they can imagine what that relationship is. And then there are others which people really don't have any idea or experience, and it's maybe easier for them to even distance themselves from them. That is true. Each group is very different. Um, the, the pigs are the most intelligent. They're very intelligent. They can figure out absolutely anything. <laughs> if they see it once, they can figure it out. Um, they're brilliant animals. They're very social. They have a social structure, a very, a very serious hierarchy that changes um, throughout the years. Like the same, we've had the same head pig for three years now, Julia. And um, she, even when she got sick and she was out of the herd for like six months, she had a really bad infection in her foot. She came back and we were, we were actually told by Cornell to put her down because the foot infection was so bad. And, um, and we didn't. Um, and it healed and it was great. And, but our concern was bringing her back into the herd because she had been the boss and she put herself right back in that position. <laughs> She <laughs> yeah, she still is in that position. Um, but if you ever go in there and you watch them, they sleep together, very social. Um, we have a, we have an area 
that we do every every animal gets on the farm gets checked once a month individually so you're not just seeing them as a group it's very difficult to find something wrong with someone if you're just looking at the whole group so once a month each one gets run in and we do their feet and their tusks and their everything on each animal like whatever they need um, and a full body check and when you do the pigs you have to separate the pig out if especially oh. if you're cutting tusks because if they hear one of the others upset mm. they attack so you have to be behind a gate or they'll actually go after you oh. so they're very protective of each other um very social s family group uh, and like wild pigs um the, the female is the matriarch they run the herd males are usually nomadic in the wild so it's it's okay. really interesting to watch um but they love people and if they're treated well they the, I, I can go to sleep in that barn you can sleep right on one of them really so, yeah they're they're the sweetest kindest animals well, the one was, uh, he was smaller. He was a brown, brown. That's J.D. J.D. Yeah. <laughs> he was very funny because he kept kind of scoot up to the other pigs as they were sleeping. Yeah, oh, he and, loves them, yeah. And he finally kind of found a place. But then yeah. one of the pigs got up to say hello to me, and right. so he followed immediately yeah. and wanted to be right there. He's amazing. He's a baby, and um, they, they actually take well to the babies. It's adult on adult that becomes territorial, and I think that's just, that's their instinct and their nature. It's not that they're mean, but they're very territorial and very protective of the rest of the herd so if you bring in an adult in it's much harder with a large herd we have 40 pigs right now okay so yeah it's harder to bring in an adult we bring in the babies and they're fine right um but then we'll go to another animal the sheep um the sheep are very docile a lot of sheep people think of sheep as being scared they also think of them as being dumb and they're not they're actually just very group oriented sheep are amazing like icelandic sheep we have some in the herd but icelandics actually put their rear ends together if a predator comes so they're facing out so they can actually attack um, there's safety in numbers when you're an animal that isn't a, that you're a prey animal that's why they go together like if you ever watch like we have wild sheep in California um, from Santa Cruz Islands oh, they move it's okay. almost like a wave it, it looks like from a distance it looks like one giant white being like it's this amazing group of animals but people consider them dumb because they're not good by themselves yes they don't like to be alone um, but they're not dumb they're by no means dumb. <laughs> um, and they're they're actually the sweetest um, you can put a new sheep in and the sheep's usually accepted within like an hour not or five minutes without anything but just a lot of smelling and a few headbutts like nothing really serious uh, and they're very loving they if you raise it like most of the sheep that are here a lot of them came from cruelty cases after like mm. six months to a year you can usually calm them down and they start to really like you six months to a year yeah I can I can sit in the sheep barn though and all of them will come up eventually they're very nervous with strangers they're also very nervous with groups of people I think that they see that as a threat I'm not really sure why mm -hmm. um, but just watching them they're just they're amazing animals and again very protective of their own um, if you go up there there's there's a group they're Scottish blackface sheep they've got this black and white faces and big horns and I brought, I took in five mothers and five babies and no, 10 babies. What am I thinking? They each had two, five mothers and 10 <laughs> babies. Um, there were two that were still nursing and the other ones were larger and they were all males. So I had to remove actually the larger ones to neuter and the small ones stayed with the one mother. And when I brought them into the sheep barn, they, they, the mother that was nursing took them all the way to the top of the hill and each animal that came in, the other one surrounded. So they kind of like, I introduced them to Dino the goat and they, they were, I had to take them out because they attacked him and I was like, oh, this is terrible. But they were protecting the babies. Oh. So they have like a very loving, um, if you leave them with their babies, they stay with them forever. I've got, oh, they do. Oh yeah. Ramsey and Maud came in together. They've been together the whole time. They're never apart. So they do stay with their, their family mm. unit. Yeah. And where do some of them come from? Like where did Ramsey come? from Ramsey was a cruelty case um, starvation case actually we get a lot of neglect starvation um, hoarding cases 
it's, which is a mental illness. It's a, they always think of the old lady with a hundred cats. We have a lot of people that hoard farm animals. They really? Go, yeah, they go to auctions. They take the worst of the worst because they're only a couple dollars each. Oh. They bring them home, but they really don't know what they're doing. And a lot of these places, like the, the place where they actually came from, um, the man had gotten all these different animals and wasn't taking care of them at all. They were all starving. They were on feces that was about five feet high. Mm. So, yeah, they were actually had tethers that were down under the feces, so they were actually on their knees because they couldn't stand straight up. So we've had a lot of really strange cases. Hoarding is a big one, but um, just basic neglect, starvation, um, people leaving and leaving the animals. Um, we've had some physical abuse, like a violent, like violent abuse. Um, but of course, obviously, it's really funny. Those are the ones that you get when the police have come in to save the rest of the family. Mm. Then mm-hmm. they call you about the animals. But um, most of the cases are, yeah, neglect, starvation, and they've been prosecuted. Or when we get the factory farmed animals, they're either dropped off, or we do get factory farmed animals when there's natural disasters, like at Katrina. We right. Seven hundred and fifty. You broilers. did. Yes. 750 broiler hens and roosters broiler chicks they're the ones that um they're used for meat yes and we it was a tyson facility that was actually hit so all the barns were destroyed and basically it just looked like fields of cotton and they were baby broilers and they're the ones that are um uh, actually slaughtered at 42 days so they're still peeping but they're they're six pounds they're they're almost like a science fiction Mm. animal they they grow so rapidly and they're not growing at a normal rate it's it's absolutely outrageous so by the time we got those guys they were actually starving though we, they had rickets um they had a lot of joint infections they've been they've been out of you know they weren't being fed they weren't being cared mm. for for about a week by the time we had gotten them and where where are they now you're able to foster some out oh, we or? actually adopted out 300 of them um and they only live they usually live a year to two years oh. because they get so big so quick uh, the males just to let you know we feed them between a quarter and a half a cup per bird of food twice a day that's nothing like my other birds free feed and they go through troughs of food um, these birds get a quarter to a half a cup of pellets twice a day my males still weigh 18 pounds at full size so they're, they're outrageous they're not they're not real um, their feet are really big their legs are really big their bodies are huge they're they're like a science fiction animal they've been so genetically manipulated wow. what are some of the chickens like like what is <laughs> what is their personality and kind of what kinds of stories can you share with us about them it, chickens are actually amazing um, we just lost one of our favorites Mako he was one of the Katrina birds they're so much like people or any other any other being in that each one has a different personality. Like I have some that are super shy. We have one right now named Whiteness that when you walk into the pen, he runs right up. Like he, he immediately wants to sit by you. And when you're doing healthcare, he sits by you. No, he does. Yeah. We have some that sit in your lap. We have some that never want to be touched. So you have like this whole array of personalities. We have some that are so curious about everything. Like I have turkeys that'll go through your kit. Like they'll go through the medical kit and try to pull things out and run away with it. And it's not <laughs> that they want to eat it. They're just so curious. And, and then I have some that you can't even get near. So you have... They're just like people. Some are just so shy, and some are so gregarious, and some are really funny. Like they do really funny things. <laughs> like what? Well, like just the, the fact that she steals. Like she waits until <laughs> we move away from the kit. She can steal it when we're right there, and she like watches us, and then runs up and grabs it and runs into like a nest box. That's and hides amazing. It. Yeah, it's just it's it's just they're amazing animals. And that ro- the rooster, uh, he ran right up to us. Oh, the black one, or was it Mayfly? Mayfly. Mayfly, yeah. Mayfly. Mayfly. Wasn't a, yes. Yeah. The he black one is fennel. Mayfly is, yeah. He, he came, he was a hatching project chick. And he came when he was 24 hours old and he had gotten wet. And, and peeps can't get wet when they're still fluffy, especially with no mother. But they, they can't get wet. They go into shock. And they the woman that brought them, her son, was 
at the school and they were doing the hatching project and she was totally against it and didn't know they were actually doing oh. it. And when she came to pick him up, there were two that were almost dead and she brought them to us. And the first one died probably within 20 minutes of being here. Um, and we tried everything, but then Mayfly lived, but Mayfly was raised because we had no other chicks, was raised by like the healthcare staff. Like one of my healthcare staff made a, like a baby bag that she carried him <laughs> everywhere with. Yeah. On the, Cause we took him home on the weekends. It's not safe for a peep without a mother. It really isn't. There's nothing you can put them in. It's actually really safe. So you, she took him home every night and then we, he was with, um, he actually stayed um, with the graphic designer during the day and walked across her computer all the time. Um, so he's with people all the time. So he's very people oriented. He but did loves come. his hands. Yeah, he loves his hands. <laughs> and he's very protective. He, um, he's funny. Like he, he makes these, like if a hawk goes by or a hawk lands close by, he makes this horrible high-pitched screech and just runs all the girls in like he's like grabbing at them, almost just getting them in. And then he just stands in the doorway and makes this horrible noise. So the rooster has a place. Like, they really do. And people, I think people have a negative thing with roosters because they crow and people don't like to be woken up. And they, they're, because they're louder. Um, and they do have a tendency to go after people. But that's usually in a situation where they've been raised improperly. Like that, like he doesn't go after anyone, even with hens. But their whole be their whole purpose is to protect the hens. Like when food comes, they make this great sound and all the hens come running like it's you'll have to go up and hear it but like you put like a snack kind of food especially he'll call them they all eat he doesn't eat until they're done so he has this great purpose to protect them and to and he and he loves them and it, it's so obvious and he's not they're not like people i think people see them as being aggressive and mean there's so many great things about the roosters Mm, that's really, uh, it's amazing. And before you came here, you said you've been here between seven to eight years yes. as the shelter director at the farm sanctuary. What were you doing? Did, were you working with animals before you arrived? Um, actually, no, I, I, well, I did before I arrived here. Um, I actually taught. And so in the summers I worked with animals and I was teaching special ed. So for a while I taught and then I actually worked like it summers in different sanctuaries. So I volunteered for two years in another sanctuary and then worked there for five because after volunteering there for two, I didn't want to start. I didn't want to go back and teach anymore because uh, I really connect with the animals. And I think the animals give you, it's one of those things. It's so strange to look back on it because that time of my life was very sad and animals are very healing. So getting into working with them actually saved me from like all these things in my own personal life. So I just feel like I owe them everything They're They, they're a healing creature because they're unconditionally loving and they're amazing. And you, you, when you get to know them and they, they, they run up, it's so funny. I can go away for a weekend and I come back and they run up to me. Like it's amazing. And they've come from such crappy, horrible places and they still forgive. And people don't. People have a tendency not to forgive. There's a lot of anger, and people like to hold a grudge forever. These animals have gone through things that no human could go through and forgive. And that's what I really think I love the most is, like, you get to a point with them, like, when they first come, they're so scared. And then you finally get to a point where they're like, you know what? They really, they trust you. And then once you've broken through that, if they're a whole different animal, just, and if I think if we had that ability to like, no matter how bad something was, just to forgive and let it go, then I think we would be that. I mean, they're happy. They're very happy creatures, very wonderful animals. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're all incredible. And that's why I love when people come. Cause I think they finally, most people do have a gap. Like it's easier to go buy a piece of meat if you've never met any of them. But once you meet them, it's almost impossible because they're just, they're incredible. They really are. So visit a sanctuary, this one or another one. <laughs> Thank you so Thank you. much. I've been speaking with Susie Costin, who is the 
shelter director here at the Farm Sanctuary, and people are gathering for dinner and have been listening to the different speakers share their stories of how their relationships with animals have impacted their own lives and the connection to the way we treat non-human animals to our own human lives. And it's uh, very special being here. Thank Good. you I'm so much. You Thank you. The animals of the world exist for their own reasons. They were not made for humans any more than black people were made for white or women created for men. Animals can communicate quite well, and they do. And generally speaking, they are ignored. Alice Walker. I'm in Schuyler County on Aikens Road in Watkins Glen in the Finger Lakes of upstate New York. Packing up now, getting ready to make the four-hour drive back down to Liberty, New York in the Sullivan County Catskills. The Farm Sanctuary is the nation's largest farm animal advocacy group, and I've been speaking to people here all day. This is the hoedown weekend. People are finishing up their dinner and getting ready for the barn dance, playing ball here on the lawn. I'm looking out at many tents set up for the night. Lots of people talk to animals. Not very many listen, though. That's the problem. Benjamin Hoff, the Tao of Pooh. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artel. For more information, please go to www.farmsanctuary.org. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. This program funded in part through a grant from the Puffin Foundation. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artel. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artel. Safe travels. This is Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg inviting you to join me July 10th for Let's Talk Vets. We'll speak with Vanessa Sitello and Mark Herbert about their service dog program for vets suffering with PTSI. Then we'll take a virtual journey with Mike Walsh, author of a new book, A Means to Heal, 258 veterans' memorials in all 50 states. Let's Talk Vets, 7 p.m. July 10th, WJFF. Looking to get rid of your old vehicle? Donate it to 